Welcome to the Stack and Sats podcast presented by Forspace Mining. I am your host, Plumik Ovasic. Today I'll be speaking with Nathan England, Chief Creative Officer at the Merov Institute. In this episode, we discuss Nate's introduction into Bitcoin, how to build a community, how to work with the mining community, and much more. As always, this is not financial advice. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Nathan England. I'm very happy to have you here on the podcast. Um, Nate, I'm really happy to have you here for many reasons. Uh, you are a good friend, a very close friend, and you're someone who essentially brought me into the Bitcoin mining industry. Um, I remember for better or worse for better or worse. <laughs> uh, one thing real quick I want to say on that is I remember you had left, uh, Whole Foods for a specific Bitcoin job. And I was one of the only people that was like, okay, bro. Like, go do your thing. Everyone was very concerned. Um, and then just the turnaround of having you, you know, pop in every once in a while and be <laughs> like, yo, I work in Bitcoin. What's up? Um, to ultimately bringing me on your team. Um, truly grateful for all of it. And it's been a wonderful experience. And I want to have you here to talk about the experience. Um, so yeah, Nathan England, really happy to have you on. And I guess if you wanted to, you know, Give a short little introduction of yourself to those of you who don't uh, know you. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, definitely super happy to be here as well, and so thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a fun ride. So uh, I'm I'm currently the CCO, Chief Community Officer for Marov, which is developing a marketplace uh, that's going to mitigate a lot of the issues that we've experienced uh, working in this space with high value transactions. Uh, verifying those, securing those, uh, offering some protections in that regard. Um, and it's exciting. And uh, yeah. Very cool. I kind of wanted to start uh, more about how you were originally introduced to Bitcoin. You know, what was that whole experience like? Really interesting, actually. Um, there was a guy in the Milwaukee uh, music community, a electronic producer, uh, that really got a whole core group of people involved in Bitcoin um, on Discord in this like crypto 101 type group. Uh, or I think it quickly became 201. Like it wasn't an intro course anymore. It was for the the graduates. And uh, yeah, he really shepherded us along um, in our path to getting involved in Bitcoin. And at the time, I was actually in a permaculture sustainable community in the desert of Arizona uh, living in a camper van, um, <laughs> traveling the country. And I was sitting in this communal kitchen at this big, super round table, this big circle table, like, like King Arthur type table. <laughs> and, uh, I made my first Bitcoin transaction right there at that table that had been there for like 40 years or something in this community. And, uh, at the time it was just a, a way for me to store the value I was generating in the world. Uh, you know, traveling across state lines, working in uh, a cash industry. I was working in Renaissance fairs at the time. And uh, yeah, so to me, it was just a way that I could store my money, you know, in something a little less traditional than a, a bank savings account. And at the same time, more secure than stuffing it underneath my bed or in a wall or something. And that was really all it was about for me. So you weren't really necessarily you know, fascinated by the technology, the idea of like transacting and stuff, you were just like, oh, you know, this could be something potential and promising. This is the future. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to hodl a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't so much about the, the long-term potential of generating a lot of value. Like I wasn't looking at it as an investment. Uh, to me, it was really just a, a store of value as a way for me to take control of my finances in a way that, you know, only someone with a gun to my head could, could take from me that, you know, if I, if I go try to get my money in the morning on some big emergency of a day in the world that I'll be able to, you know, have that value that I've stored over time. So I really wasn't looking at it, you know, originally, I mean, we're talking, it hadn't even hit a thousand yet. You know, this was when it was 300 a coin, uh, 2000, late 2015, wow. 2016. Uh, maybe confusing the date there, but yeah. So it wasn't about it's going to a hundred thousand. It's going to a million. It was really just about 
it won't go lower in four year time frames than when I put it in. Like over time, I will retain the value I'm generating in the world. Like that's all it was, was how do I take it out of an inflationary system and just hold it with self custody? Uh, those were really the aspects that drew me to it. Yeah. And it's really, uh, it's a common theme that you see in Bitcoin, um, in crypto is like, uh, whether it's like self-education or kind of like forming, you know, like a trusted forum or something, it's just funny to see how, uh, all that comes together. And it's a pretty, you know, common backline into how people are introduced into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Um, you also live a very, very interesting life. So I find it funny that, um, you know, you were out there like on a farm, you know, maybe, maybe doing some farming, raising some, raising ant, some chickens, raising chickens. chickens. And you're like, okay, this Bitcoin thing. Um, it just shows the diversity of the kinds of people who get into it. Um, you really, you really do get all kinds of people. And you were one of the first people who, spoke about it so like uh openly and really like positively to me uh, at the time when i had first heard of bitcoin i was very dismissive of it um you were someone who definitely filled in a lot of those gaps and was like no nah, it's, it's chill bro like let me tell you why there was a project you were interested in the time what was that one flamenco <laughs> Oh man, I feel like this is going to burn me forever (laughs) (laughs) and I have to solidify it every time. Yeah, I was kind of an accidental Ethereum shill. You know, there's nothing wrong though with, you know, wherever you started and coming to the conclusion, you know, that Bitcoin is the answer. I mean, we're, we're converting gold bugs and and fiat uh, fanatics, we'll call them, uh, you know, and so you know, as long as you end up in Bitcoin camp, like however you got here is acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's so good. Yeah. I have a feeling I'll be, I'll be owning up to this one for a while, (laughs) but the good thing is, is like you said, yeah, people change. Um, it's good to change your ideas. It's good to, to be open to new things and eventually, you know, develop your own form. Um, but I'm curious to know how you went from, you know, just getting into Bitcoin uh, while you were out, you know, traveling, doing your thing, how did it kind of solidify into you, you know, then wanting to work in the industry and find yourself working in the industry? Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting path. I actually, uh, I fell into managing uh, on the Renaissance Fair circuit, um, a handmade leather footwear company out of California. I bought some sandals at a, at a fire flow shop in Tempe, Arizona that some fire performers sent me to. Uh, I bought a moped, zipped over there, bought these sandals. And the guy messaged the owners of the company telling them that he found a, a traveling couple that would be perfect to manage uh, their Renaissance Fair booths across the country. And they emailed us and we took the job. Who was this guy? <laughs> it was the owner of a of a fire flow shop. So like the props and Mm -hmm. equipment uh, and clothing for like fire performers. It was crazy. And so are you a fire performer? Yeah. I spin fire sword, contact fire sword. It's a huge flame, like spinning all around, like throwing it up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just never ending, man. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so next thing you know, um, you know, I'm traveling between Kansas, Texas, Arizona, California, Colorado, in a in a circuit, two months in each state, uh, managing these, you know, old timey, good day, my lords and ladies, like shop, <laughs> selling boots and stuff, like two thousand dollar boots. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, we did like twenty thousand a weekend in sales, like every weekend, uh, two months in each state. Okay. It was crazy. Um, and you know, throughout that time, you know, I was making cash and I was living a, a lifestyle that was a little bit, you know, counterculture, uh, you know, traveling, being a nomad, if you will. And uh, yeah, like I said, it was a good way of storing that value. Um, and I, I just became more involved in the, the online communities around Bitcoin, especially in this Discord group. It grew a little bit more. Um, and I kind of came off the road. Uh, didn't want to get trapped in that, in that lifestyle. Uh, Bitcoin was going into a bull market, you know, went up broke a thousand, broke 5,000, you know, just kept going. Uh, 
And uh, so it kind of gave me this bigger opportunity in life for sure. Like I never had much, you know, uh, and anything I have, you know, I've, I've lost in a freak boating accident in some unrecognizable lake. Uh, so, but <laughs> sorry, that's my little joke. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I kind of came off the road wanting to get out of that lifestyle because I saw people living there for like 30 years and still living in tents and just living paycheck to paycheck. And so I definitely want to get out of this industry, even though we had a, what, you know, a pretty good gig where we had, we could stay inside the, the little apartments above the booths. We had a management job. They paid for our travel. Like we were pretty cushy as far as the Renaissance fair world is concerned. Um, but we kind of came off the road and wanted to reset. We came back to Milwaukee, um, had some life changes with the relationship and uh, overall direction in life. And some friends had actually been operating an over-the-counter Bitcoin exchange downtown Milwaukee. And uh, I had watched them create this. I'd watched them go through a couple of years of running it. And uh, I'd always told them, like, the second you need a sales guy, the second you need someone to to represent your company and work with clients. Uh, like I'm there for it. And, uh, I started hanging out with Grant who you're familiar with, uh, from our time, uh, all working together. Yeah. And yeah, I, uh, they said they were looking for a sales guy and I was like, dude, I've been telling Devin this entire time. <laughs> like I would do that. He's like, I never knew that. And, uh, next thing you know, I'm being hired by them and I'm managing, uh, the downtown office for Caron coins. And tell me a little bit about, uh, Caron coins. What was, you know, what was like a day to day life working for Caron coins? <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Uh, you know, we're fully registered MSB money service business. So, you know, we're practicing all, you know, KYC AML compliance across the board. Um, and we were on ramping and off ramping people in the Bitcoin. So I'd be, you know, meeting people, sitting down with people, helping them set up their wallets securely, um, understand the steps to, to all of that benefits, pros, cons to various choices. Um, and we would provide rails for them to buy or sell Bitcoin. That's really interesting. I mean, to one, to have people kind of find like an OTC business like that in Milwaukee, uh, to trust it. And then you also got to have that, uh, kind of like time to, you know, polish, <clears throat> polish your skills, um, work on kind of like better understanding, you know, what is the best protocol for Bitcoin and to be able to explain that to others. Oh, that's really cool. And just, uh, definitely you caught it at the right time. <laughs> I mean, you definitely left at the right time and started doing this and it was just really fun as an outsider to kind of watch you you know, become this, this Bitcoin guy. Yeah. To, to go back a little bit, that a little bit here to uh whole foods. Yeah. So shortly after coming off the road before working for Caron coins, uh, was living near whole foods and I was like 30% off groceries. If I work there part time, I'm like, let's go. Uh, and I started working there in produce and, um, you know, Bitcoin was going up the whole time. We were on the way to 20,000 uh, for the first time. And, you know, a lot of people had their, their issues with these conversations, uh, namely our GM at the time. Uh, he was very concerned when I, when I said I was leaving to, to go work uh, in a blockchain crypto Bitcoin company, like, like legitimately concerned, like a friend, like, you sure? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, man, like you should be, you know, storing some of your, your funds in, in Bitcoin. And it's like, oh my God, never. <laughs> He's, uh, he's still very concerned to this day. Yeah, definitely have gone in there and <laughs> he's very concerned about our lives and all that. And really, <laughs> yeah, he's like, are you, are you all, all okay? Everything's good. Yeah. FTX, right? Like, oh my gosh, Bitcoin went back to 20,000. Isn't that, isn't that dead? Isn't that terrible? It's like, dude, like 20,000 as a floor is an amazing accomplishment. <laughs> right. Four years ago, people were just going nuts when it hit 20,000, when it was yeah. at 18,000. Everything is relative, right? You you lose mm -hmm. that perspective when it, when you're at 69,000, 20,000. Oh my God. When we were at 6,900, uh, you know, up to 20,000, pretty exciting. So people, people lose sight of that. No, they totally do. And that's been the most, you know, eye-opening experience of the bear market 
Um, once you can really kind of let your feelings go and the personal attachment to your belief, this is going to work, this is going to be a thing, you really start to humble yourself and spend more time educating yourself and hopefully then building a better representation of Bitcoin. I found that the more people see it kind of like crashing, quote unquote, <laughs> the more that they're curious about it and the more that they're asking me about Bitcoin and really have taken this time to kind of develop a, just a better understanding of how everything works. And to then, you know, like we're doing here, we're trying to shed light on the industry, on the experience and create a narrative that just overall is more positive and uh, encompassing of, you know, the future of Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, the potential is, it's beyond potential at this point. So it is always funny to have those, you know, interactions where people are worried about your well-being. And meanwhile, we spend every day worried about, you know, the fiat <laughs> system and the inevitable uh, debt slavery and we're worrying about everyone else, you know, in in a different sense. Yeah, that's why I keep the my my Zimbabwe five hundred million dollar bill. That's my wallet somewhere. Oh, my, my Venezuela bolivars. Uh, you know, just examples of fiat currencies that have gone to zero. Not even worth the energy to pick up by the you know by the arm load. Um, and usually I keep a, a little like five dollar bill mixed in with them. Like, see, these are examples of shit fiat currencies. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's true, and I think a lot of people wouldn't have seen the scope of that even three, four years ago. It's it's better. It's a better metric to see that people are more curious about Bitcoin in the downturn and the bear market, uh, because like historically, everyone gets excited. You know, all time high bull market, right? Uh, but obviously, you want to buy low, sell high if you're trying to trade. Really, you should just be accumulating. Uh, sell, you know, shouldn't even be a word in your vocabulary, personally, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> With a nice hodl sign next to you. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's a good sign that people are curious when it's lower. Because when it's lower and still 15, 20,000, it's starting to make sense to people. They're starting to see the long-term chart. Like we're still only working off what, 12 years, 13 years. Uh, so it's like historical data is still limited and people will start to see that, oh, these floors keep going up. Like it's not even about the ceiling, like whatever. Sometimes, you know, we hit those ceiling points and we don't go back for a long time. So it's about establishing these higher and higher floors and people will catch on. Um, and they are. No, definitely. You start to get people more intrigued when they see that there is a stability to all of this. All yeah. of this uh, Bitcoin, you know, the joke is it's at best, you know, a stable coin. It's like we just don't know what that price is going to be. <laughs> uh, and throughout all this, you've really had kind of just like a an, an understanding for knowing when, you know, when is the right time to kind of move to the next thing. Um, and, you know, I assumed at the time that you were still working the OTC business, you know, we go into the pandemic, uh, things kind of unravel and a lot of people become uneasy and, you know, start to lose hope. And I felt like that's when I'd run into you and you really, you know, had put your head down and, you know, doubled down and gone further into the Bitcoin mining community. And that's when I had the privilege of uh, working with you at DLI and seeing that you were very much like a, like an important social person <laughs> to the community. And I know that, uh, you know, this is always tough for you to hear, but you really do have like a great presence. Um, when we're talking about like the biggest brokers in the mining industry, when we're talking about the biggest players, uh, they're all so jolly when they see your name <laughs> and they uh, hear from you. Um, it's very admirable. And that was a lot of uh, a lot that I got to learn in the industry was just um, from watching you, uh, just observing you go into it, uh, just like, you know, another community, another place where you can, you know, kind of bring people together. Uh, you seem to really have an important role with that. And I just always have wondered, like, you know, where did the background come for that ability? Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, it's 
it's definitely always interesting to hear that perspective because uh, I'm I'm kind of just hopping in and just being me and just connecting with people and to to self reflect and hear that like you noted is is kind of just a, a strange thing for me to to look back on and try to you know accept. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's always been like a core characteristic of mine to just kind of dive head into any new community of people and just connect, um, like just almost get fixated on and really just, just go full immersion. Um, you know, like that's what I end up watching. That's what I end up reading. That's who I'm communicating with getting in these various, uh, online communities and physical communities, like whatever it is, like hobbies, you know, different card games or snowboarding or, uh, the car community or, you know, a specific niche music community. Um, you know, I guess from a young age, I always just, uh, you know, summer camps or yeah, different niche hobbies back in high school. I kind of just loved hopping in and, and connecting with people that maybe like solely dedicated to this thing. Like those are the best people to be interacting with in these categories of like, people that are like, this is all I do. I live and breathe this thing. And like, you know, it's really fun engaging with people that have dedicated their lives to like, you know, very specific single paths. Um, and I just, I love seeing that and just getting involved on, on all sides to, to just look at life through those lenses, to be honest, people who have really found themselves in a specific craft, um, or skill set. Uh, so yeah, it was really interesting getting involved in the mining side of the world, uh, Bitcoin world. Um, it was something I didn't really know much about. Um, and I kind of just, you know, there was a, uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours that made a post, uh, on a Facebook, uh, Milwaukee Bitcoin group and needed some help. Uh, it was very vague, just Jack of all trades need help with everything and anything possible. <laughs> And uh, I kind of, yeah, COVID had hit and Caron Coins over-the-counter business, you know, we relied on in-person transactions and not having those in-person meetings really hamstringed us. Um, that was kind of our, our big value add was being trusted and verifiable sitting down with us, not just meeting someone online, but actually coming to our office, sitting down, getting to, to interact before we even do a transaction. Um, and MSBs are notoriously hard to bank. Um, people, people know that it's, it's challenging money service businesses. They don't like large wires, um, or cash business. So, um, kind of, kind of had a downturn and because of that had more available time. Um, and I kind of just hel started helping out over there. Um, and started out small, just kind of building a warehouse, keeping it clean, keeping it organized, uh, started helping out, uh, organizing a telegram account that was, you know, thousands of messages deep of people reaching out like this whole funnel and just started helping organize that, putting in a CRM, reaching back to people. Um, and we kind of just kept developing from there, um, brought on some, some key team members throughout my life. Uh, Matthias, who, uh, I believe you've had on recently and uh, yourself and Grant, who we, are, er, we mentioned earlier, uh, were all these key people in my life that, you know, either had a deep interest or deep understanding in Bitcoin or deep involvement in Bitcoin. And, you know, that was crucial to me for building a team. Like that was the foundation, like everything else could have been teachable or we'll identify, but having that long-term vision was really important. Um, and we kind of just grew it from there. We we often called it, uh, I think you know. Corporation Tycoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why though? Like, you know, why why go through all this? Was uh, it just a spark? And like you said, you just kept kept your head down, kept doing it. You know, it seemed like it's a big endeavor for a lot of people to take the next step, you know, to become successful to know exactly who they trust, who they want to build something with. You know, why was it all clicking then? Um, I, I mean, it, it came together pretty synchronistically. Um, I guess the part I left out was like, I literally had a dream that morning that I was like working with these machines, had this tool belt on. And like, I woke up and 20 minutes later, came across that post to be involved in the mining industry. And I was like, hmm. 
And I like messaged him and he responded. And the next, you know, two days later, I showed up and I just started working there that day. Um, I got hired by the parent company of that organization, DLI. Uh, quickly became like facility manager, became a sales executive, brought on the team. It just, it all just kind of naturally flowed. Like I didn't, uh, you know, I kind of just put my best foot forward and did what made sense and what was, um, yeah, what, you know, kind of common sense, you know, process with, with most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, people want to be responded to people want people that are available for them that are, uh, you know, hop on a video call and let's just chat. Like I, I guess I, in all the sales roles I've had, I've really put the business secondary and I've put the connection first. Like we will find avenues to work together if we're involved in the same industry. Um, once we've connected and, you know, we're friends or we're, we're colleagues, acquaintances, uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, to, to try to forge business relationships and paths immediately. And then over time, like become acquaintances or get a connection. Like that's definitely a strategy, but, uh, I've always put just connecting with people first. Like, uh, you know, whether or not we have business, whether or not we make a deal, um, I'm just interested, like, th- like authentically interested in, who you are and what you're doing and, you know, like let's connect. And if there's a way for us to, to engage with each other, that's mutually beneficial. Like let's explore that. And, uh, it's really not a tactic. It's not like this sales strategy. I I don't like being a sales guy. I don't consider myself a sales guy. You know, my entire time here, I've never really done commission, um, or bonus structures or anything. It's always just been stability and connecting and through achieving that, the business kind of just flowed. Um, it's it's strange. I think one thing about the Bitcoin community, you know, and especially these early stages of the Bitcoining mining industry, uh, is that you have this like Achilles heel and that Achilles heel is basically trust. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get burned in this industry. A lot of people can't trust, you know, who they're transacting with, who they're doing business with. A lot of people can't trust even their own business partners. There's a lot of people who are in the industry who used to work together. You know, these are all parts of Bitcoin and the mining community that makes it, you know, a little uh, unstable. And I think part of that is something that you kind of just naturally tapped into. Well, you know, I need to make connections. I need to have a good time with people. I need to let them be themselves, you know, when they're around me. Uh, themselves when they're around me. And I think that like tapping into something like that is really what almost caught like wildfire for you. Uh, in my, in my opinion is that you're just grasping on, uh, people's ability to be vulnerable and people aren't very vulnerable when they do business, especially in this business where it's all about self-sovereignty, about self-custody. Uh, that's something that I've watched, you know, being in the Bitcoin mining industry for the last 15 months, I've watched other people try to do that. But like you said, that's not a tactic. You can't fake uh, genuineness. So when you see others do it or use the wordage for it, it's almost like, no, 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 this isn't how it's done. You know, one of the things you said was connecting with people, you know, in person, getting to know people in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like when it comes to conferences, that's really kind of the place to do it in the mining community. And, you know, you've really been good at <laughs> having people break bread and kind of just hang in the same room together and enjoy themselves. Um, and that's where, you know, I personally had a lot of fun kind of like doing the same, becoming vulnerable and getting to know these people uh, within the industry. Uh, so conferences, I feel like I a really important aspect and you know i know you generally feel the same i guess uh, i wanted to give you some time to kind of you know chime in on that uh, as well yeah yeah um you know here in milwaukee um i got pretty involved in the music industry uh, from being like a street promoter for a couple different companies that were pretty prominent uh back in the like 2010 2013 kind of time frame. And, um, 
you know, later on, then I, I started a concert production company through some shows, brought in like artists uh, and caterers and performers and massage therapists and decorators and just tried really like unifying all these different uh, cogs in of like just artistic people in the industry. Bartenders of- who juggle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, he was he was our spray painter, uh, who you're referring to right now, uh, Derek, yeah, great artist uh, and performer. Um, he was our spray painter outside doing spray paint art uh, live at this concert, and uh, yeah, so I really like bringing people together. Definitely, it was. Uh, I'm not a super creative person. I don't create media or you know of any form really, uh, but I liked creating and hosting events. Um, and socializing, just hopping in, meeting people. Um, so conferences, you know, Bitcoin Miami 21 was the first one. And there's been probably, you know, maybe just under 10 we've done in the past two years. Um, and yeah, that's really where DLI had identified, like, we want you in a sales client services role because, uh, you know, just running the booth there, connecting, going to these satellite events, uh, just brought a lot of connections, a lot of business and uh, a lot of friends, you know, and um, yeah, I just, I just thoroughly enjoy it. You know, I just, uh, <laughs> like I said earlier, I love just diving in and, and meeting people. And I like bringing that out in people. Like that's the big thing. Like you can be the super social person, the super, you know, just life of the party, really boisterous and very loud and talkative and in many ways, I am some of those things, uh, but at the same time, you have to leave room for others and, and and to pull that out of people. Like, you know, it's probably something I I struggle with of, you know, maybe cutting people off or just being really excited about stuff and talking at length uh, in those situations, but really trying to pull that socialness and that openness and, like you said, vulnerability out of people that might not feel super comfortable in doing that. Um, I guess it kind of stems from the music community. Like no one's on the dance floor. Like our three friends will go out on the dance floor and then there's seven of us and they feel good. And now there's 15 of us and, and it just kind of grows from there. So, you know, like opening yourself up to just being who you are and just being accessible, like that makes it comfortable and okay for others to do the same. Um, in a lot of ways, sometimes it filters people out. People that are just like, no, (laughs) (laughs) don't touch me <laughs> like at Summerfest this guy once was like dancing next to them on the on the bleachers in Summerfest this guy was bumping time like bro have a good time <laughs> like you know they're like no I'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> you know you can only try so hard sure. um but yeah so conferences have been a great time and first and foremost I'm there to connect with people meet people um and then you know from there we can we can see how we can help each other yeah, and I think in a, uh, the Bitcoin mining industry and a lot of tech industries, you have a lot of people who are shy, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of introverts. A lot of people are <clears throat> naturally social. Humans are naturally social. And like you're saying, just giving people that little bit of like a push is all it takes for them to kind of just like dive into, you know, literally what keeps them up at night, what makes them happy. Just uh, last week, you know, I went to a networking event uh, with a mutual friend of ours and got to meet some people who at the beginning, you know, we were having dinner and they didn't really say too many words. Uh, But once we started diving into, you know, some of the deeper ideas, next thing you know, everyone is sharing their philosophical opinions. Uh, I have a goat farmer telling me how the competition of Bitcoin mining is literally parallel to what he saw (laughs) raising goats and pigs in Nebraska 20 years ago. (laughs) So you really do get to connect with people if you spend that time with them. And that's a really great service to this industry uh, where people just, you know, it's not, it's not always easy to let, to let yourself go. It's not always easy to have a fun time. You kind of need those people um, you're like a modern version of like a, like a bard of some <laughs> sorts, just going you're not around. Not the first to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. That's what Grant says. He just calls me a bard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good to have that ability to kind of be a little bit goofy, poke a little bit of fun at yourself. And in return, 
you know, give people uh, just just uh, something different, something they wouldn't have experienced. Yeah, you gotta you gotta hype people too up, get them excited about themselves, get them excited about what they do. You know, when when they're shy and bashful like that, like you know, that's freaking awesome. Like, tell us more about that. Come on, you're great. <laughs> you're the best at what you do. Like, don't even lie. Like those types of, when you introduce them, like they're like literally one of the best freaking programmers you've ever met. Tell them, Dave. Like, you know? <laughs> and they're like, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, I've worked on this. It's like, no, dude, like, you know, you're the bomb. <laughs> like, you know, just sometimes going over the top. It's just like the silly, like, break, you know, icebreaker type. Uh, and, and like connecting people. That's the big thing. So like you can connect with people, but it's about connecting others. So like you go and talk with someone and, you know, they're filling this need. It's not one you have, but later, you know, even two days later, you find someone at a satellite event. That's what they're looking for. And like before you're done with the entire event, you connect those people, you introduce them, you, you know, you kind of help lubricate that social interaction, that connection. And, uh, you know, most people that are doing that type of networking. Like they're always looking for, to get theirs, you know, like nickel diamond, like where can I get my percentage, you know? And it's like, if that's at the forefront of your intention of doing this, of solving this need in people you met and connected with, like, eh, like it's not really fulfilling. It's not really motivating to me. Like by making those connections and not asking for anything in return and just authentically continuously trying to make those connections for people, like, good things happen. Like, you know, people appreciate that. And, and maybe you're involved in, you know, some aspect of business going forward just because, you know, you put in goodwill into, you know, solving people's needs. And so it's, it's really about putting that first and, you know, anyone who's putting and yeah, I guess like commission structures do kind of harm that. Cause if you're, if your rent is determined on making business and you're connecting these people, you spent money to go to these conferences, you have to make this business to make your mortgage payments. Like that puts you in a tricky situation where is that connection super authentic? Are you really doing what's best for that person or what's best for your organization? Even if like you are required to make everything you need to happen for your bills to make this deal. Like sometimes it's best for everyone to say, maybe this isn't the best thing for us to engage in and we should go separate ways, you know? So it's, it's a tricky scenario, you know, it's, it's not possible for everyone. And I understand that. No, 100%. And that approach is what introduced me to a lot of the people in the Bitcoin mining industry and to be able to have connected with them. And, you know, at this point we have, we have many friends in a lot of places through it. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a great approach to take. And what you find in the end is you have the people there who are literally working all the time, you know, and they literally have to like report things that they had done that day. How many leads did they get? You know, they have to update their CRM right away. And, you know, we're, we're like, oh, there's this you know, a nice little place you can go have a frozen drink and like lay, <laughs> lay out in the pool, you know, it's like all that stuff is equally as important. Yeah. Uh, would you ever consider running your own conference in the Bitcoin mining industry and in the Bitcoin industry? I mean, not personally, like I wouldn't set out to do that, you know, myself, you know, if, if a team wanted me to be involved in some capacity, um, on helping, you know, bring together some social satellite post events or, you know, official afters or, or things like that, just helping, uh, coordinate and organize like certain aspects of things. Like I would love to be on a, on a team for, for any of those, uh, conferences in in those regards. Um, would I set out to make my own conference? Uh, Oh yeah. Never mind. I was going to make a joke. (laughs) just gonna avoid it no joke all right sorry um what are some what are some conferences that that you find are important to attend uh if you are in the mining industry shout out miners summit (laughs) our boys john and john john's man no miner summit was uh it's it's a smaller conference you know much smaller uh first one that i went to uh was in the ozarks during covid it was literally 
like 30 people, but we had a great time, made great connections, um, literally had good business. And even though it was such a small group, it was like such a dedicated group that, you know, made the journey to the Ozarks, uh, middle of COVID. And there was, there was good business. There was good connections. Um, and it just went to show you that even if you're in a room of five people that are involved in the industry, there could be really great connection there. It's not about, you know, the quantity. It is about the quality and the situations. So minor summit's perfect for that. Um, then we went, you know, to, uh, to Texas. Uh, yeah. Where'd we go? College Station. College Station, our our little queen. Their yeah. little cult mascot dog. <laughs> yeah, like Revelry. Revelry. Yeah, that, that was, was weird. That was an interesting time. It, you know, I my brother went to Madison, so I've been to Madison a good amount. And, you know, when you kind of step into the university setting, you can definitely feel a little sense of the cultiness, <laughs> college but, but College Station, man, yeah. we, we were College just town like, of all college towns is literally called College Station. <laughs> yeah, we had no choice. They were going to tell us about everything. Like, yeah. oh, if you find a lost ring, you report it here. This is <laughs> Revelry. She's our queen. If she barks, class is over. Yeah. <laughs> if you find her in your dorm bed, you have to sleep on the floor. You cannot kick her out. <laughs> like, just crazy rules for this dog. Unbelievable. But they, you know, out of of as quirky of a spot as it is, the Johns picked a really good place because I know at the University of Texas uh, A&M, I believe it's down there, Mm -hmm. um, they're actually working on developing um, something of a Bitcoin, you know, university, some sort of a undergraduate and then continuing on in Bitcoin mining. Uh, I found Miner Summit to be this place where my mind my brain kind of broke. <laughs> I was in, you know, we'd, we'd been working at DLI. I've been there for about eight months now, nine months. And we go to Miner Summit and it truly is where, you know, big energy meets mining. Mm-hmm. And we hung out with like Ted Cruz's like representative, weird. Austin or he was something. like with us the whole time. Yeah, super <laughs> cool dude. Apparently Ted Cruz is really, you know, concerned about how Bitcoin mining is going to develop for infrastructure in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to meet with people who were, you know, uh, oil and gas working with gigawatts worth of energy. Uh, we got to meet with people in ERCOT. You know, we got to see the political side of how the Texas Blockchain Council is working with ERCOT Mm -hmm. uh, to develop this energy curtailment program in Texas that, from what we're seeing, seems to be very promising and, you know, brings in a whole lot of the science and the sustainability of Bitcoin mining. So I think the Johns do a really great job, despite it being a small kind Mm -hmm. of event. They really give you very important connections and help you kind of start to piece things together on the energy side, at least. And it's, you know, it's kind of a breath of fresh air after, you know, 50,000 people at Bitcoin Miami, which, you know, is another great conference that if you're involved in this industry, you should be going to. I mean, it's an entire week in Miami of just constant satellite events every day, um, all day long. Like you don't even need to go to the conference if you just are in Miami for that week. Um, You know, and so there's a lot to be said. Definitely Bitcoin Miami, Mining Disrupt, um, Miner Summit. Those are my big three, and they are all very different. Um, 50,000 at Bitcoin Miami, NFTs, Bitcoin this, Bitcoin that, some mining. um, It's really broad. And then Mining Disrupt, very, you know, specific to the mining industry. A lot smaller smaller than Bitcoin Miami, a lot bigger than Miner Summit. you know, very quality, learn a lot, get a lot of good connections. And the Miner Summit, just like very small, totally different from from both. Um, but honestly, one of my favorites. <laughs> like it's yeah. uh it's great. So um, but those are the big three. You know, we went to the North American Bitcoin conference. Um, I don't think they can call it that anymore. And I think they even did change it. Now it's called uh I don't even know, Galaxy, I think. Oh my god. I gosh. don't know. Yeah. It's it definitely became all about NFTs. Yeah. Um like, I mean, it was all NFTs. I think we were, we were like one of like two mining companies there, yeah. maybe. 
And, and it wasn't that many Bitcoin companies in no, general. Like it was NFTs. It was all NFTs. And, all. and everyone was like, curious how you can add NFTs to your business. And yeah. I'm just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is where Matthias was having a field day. Just Was he? Oh, yeah. He was just roasting all, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> all the NFT projects, all the crypto like, stuff. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and then he comes to the Airbnb and it's just like, guys, you cannot believe. Yeah. <laughs> You know how he is. Good times. No, that's, yeah, totally. Those are, those are important events for the Bitcoin, you know, mining community specifically. It's really refreshing because, yeah, Bitcoin 22, it was a lot. It was very much, you know, you're seeing the adoption of Bitcoin and blockchain on such a large scale that you're, you don't feel like you're part of the grit anymore you don't feel like you're part of the the boots on the ground remember that guy with the he, he obviously he was you know on his own level talking about how like bsv is the true oh bitcoin gosh. and stuff we saw him on channel five news yeah we saw him on <laughs> like channel five later. news he was at the i think it was like the satanic uh yeah. event still have his little booklets he was giving out about how bitcoin is yeah. I think mine's on my desk. Yeah. The revelations and stuff. Yeah. The mark Repent of the beast. Now. <laughs> but, you know, but despite all that, he gives, he gives you an interesting perspective because when you're inside there with 40,000 people all, you know, stuck in this hype, like FinTech, everything, you know, all these big companies, like Shell is a sponsor this year. I was about to say like, yeah, I mean, look at the, the top sponsor for 2023 is Shell. So if, if we think we're, we're some real big players in this space, like, I mean, Shell's getting involved. JP Morgan's dropping an exchange after the FTX debacle. I know they've been working out for a while, but uh, I mean, things, things line up pretty advantageously for some of the largest corporations in the world, you know, mm-hmm. with, with all of this. So it's, uh, you know, there's two sides to the coin um mining miner summit had a very interesting conversation with a man uh for a couple hours there scientist from uh you know from germany that was part of a body who believes you know blockchain is the the takeover of ai essentially like it's going to create this entire silicon network of ai that takes over the world and but he was very serious like this learned man this you know uh physicist biologist, uh, scientist. And yeah, so there's, there's some characters and you definitely get all sorts of perspectives at these, at these types of events. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> no, it is. And, you know, we really don't know what's going to come, what's going to happen. Uh, I believe we're going to get more and more adoption, but it's always an important reminder that, you know, while we're creating a way to solve a lot of the world's problems, in my opinion, through Bitcoin, uh, we have to be wary and remember that there is still these intrinsic uh, human values that can like spread and almost like in a bad way. So like while Bitcoin is a great way for you to uh, take control of your money, move it around, you know, uh, spend it digitally, not be tied to a central bank's currency. At the same time, you got to be wary. It's money. Money makes humans do certain things. Money makes people dishonest. Uh, I don't think there is a positive end-all, be-all light or a negative end-all, be-all light. Uh, it's all a part of the future, you know, and that's where, that's where it's fun when you have these people who are just shooting off on something you've never thought of. Um, yeah. It ultimately helps me kind of solidify my argument in my case for Bitcoin uh, in, in what I think is, yes, it's, a, it's going to be a better solution. It's going to get us further. Uh, but you always want to be mindful that, like you said, there's those two sides to the coin there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it can be perplexing, but it's, it's worth it. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun here talking with you, Nate. Um, anything that we haven't covered that you, you're you itching to talk about? You know, I'm not too sure. What about, what about helping people? 
helping people. Yeah, you like connecting people. And I feel like part of that also has an importance of helping people. Uh, you know, how how are you looking to help people in this in this digital age? Yeah, I guess uh, there's been a, a couple ways. Um, you know, first and foremost, it's been trying to help people with, you know, their, their farms and operations and, and whatever they need for that, whether it's, uh, try and link them up with repair services, new, new equipment, new peripherals, um, you know, just troubleshooting stuff, uh, all, all sorts of aspects. Um, on a, I guess on a personal note and some, some of the aspects that I learned from my time at Caron Coins. Um, just about overall scams in the space, um, and, and on the mining side, just people selling ASICs and, and impersonating accounts and scamming people. There's, there's a lot of scams throughout the industry, uh, on the OTC side, on the buying infrastructure side. I mean, everyone, everyone is well aware of, of how much dishonesty is, is happening in, in this space. And so trying to mitigate that as much as possible is definitely an interest of mine. Um, you know, just chiming in on unseen scammers, impersonators, you know, use certain strategies on telegram and trying to call that out and bring, bring those people to light. Um, as well as, yeah, you know, I've had a, a bit of a nonprofit plan in the back of my mind for a while, uh, of helping, you know, people that are being romance scammed or just relationship scammed friendship, you know, business, romance, all, all forms of relationships. Uh, people are getting scammed, you know, millions and millions, billions of dollars, you know, a year. Uh, elderly people, majorly, um, who are either money muling Bitcoin transactions or sending their life savings through Bitcoin um, to scammers. And, you know, I, I witnessed it a lot, actually, and worked to kind of fight against it uh, with this little method of just like counseling people, talking to them through it, you know, really trying to try and get them to understand what's going on here, um, as well as providing some like light, like OSINT, open source intelligence like gathering, um, which is like, yeah, uh, just reconnaissance, zero touch uh, information gathering on, you know, just is this a sock puppet account? Is this someone that doesn't have any type of digital footprint at all, like a regular person and kind of just comparing that with regular people footprints and uh, yeah, just comparing and contrasting and showing them the data and just uh, getting them to realize that, yeah, you know, you've been sending $50,000 to to someone who isn't who they say they are. And they're, uh, not, they're not a Nigerian prince. no. And uh, I mean, in a lot of cases, it's like call centers, like literally I've been in these email threads and all the language is so peculiar. And then all of a sudden after pointing it out, like someone else in that call center took over because the entire voice, the entire grammar, vocabulary, everything changes. Um, So it's like you can identify, yeah, these are like call centers that are doing these scams and uh yeah, it looks bad for Bitcoin. I mean, it really does um, because a lot of people are having experiences where their only experience with Bitcoin is, yeah, my aunt lost their entire family, you know, savings because she thought that she was sending it to her grand, you know, her her grandson or something, you know, or uh, I don't know, just really peculiar situations. And there's not really anyone doing anything about it. Um and so I do have some ideas on things that could be done, um, things that were done successfully already. Um, and it is a passion that I, I would like to explore further as time goes on. No, oh, that's beautiful. I think you're really touching on something that is already such a great problem. And as we're developing, you know, better technology, it's becoming harder to differentiate between, you know, who is uh, real and who isn't, or, you know, who's a fraud and, you know, looking into the future. Yeah. It's only going to become a bigger problem. So hoping that, you know, your positive energy and other people like you will kind of help out with this. A lot of it is uh, psychological in a lot of ways. These are people who are, you know, much like we were talking about being given a place to be vulnerable with someone. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that that someone is also 
romance scamming them. Yeah. Uh, it does give Bitcoin a bad light. So we do need to have these, you know, hard conversations about it and be mindful that it's not just great for everyone and that it is used in a lot of bad cases. And we're hoping that, you know, adoption and just a better understanding of how the technology works will kind of, you know, bring more uh, energy into solving these problems. Yeah, a lot of it is just awareness, first and foremost. And, uh, you know, it's still something that we're all working on for for greater adoption is, you know, a lot of people just aren't aware of of all this still. Um, it's hard to imagine that, you know, after the couple of years being involved in all that, you know, I'm still having conversations with people that, you know, we're not on the gold standard still with our bills, you know, so it's getting people up to speed with all of it. it you know, it is challenging, but it's really important. It's important for everyone involved in the industry to be engaging with, you know, their networks, their local communities and, and helping with that adoption. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, Marov, you know, is trying to solve some of these issues on the mining industry side um, or just infrastructure side or just, you know, greater uh, asset sales and transactions of high value and, and you know, utilizing KYC uh, respectfully to to, you know, verify identities and to use proper, uh, you know, dispute processes and things, um, verifying the equipment and, and putting it through, you know, some, some checks and balances to make sure everything is as it says it is. And, uh, so, you know, we, we both have experienced and seen a lot of the issues, um, on this side of just of physical transactions. And so, I am pretty excited to be to be on a team that one recognizes my skill set as like a chief community officer, engaging with the community, clients, the team, um, partners, and and really trying to bring a product that does solve you know some of the issues that we've experienced in this regard. So um, I'm excited for that future and to see where it goes, and we'll probably have more information for people on that as as time goes on and. Uh, yeah, you know, I'd love an opportunity to to work further on my my own personal project as well, um, that you know helps people outside of the physical transactions. Yeah, I uh, I really appreciate what you guys are doing over at Marov. Uh, you know, the people who you're working with have a lot of experience in Bitcoin mining in the industry for you know a long time, and you guys are taking on the, a big endeavor. It's not going to be easy, but it is something that is necessary. Uh, the more legitimate resources that we can all build together, the better. The better for the community, uh, the better that we're all connected. And yeah, I'm being a little bit more mindful of the time now. And we kind of touched on it a bit earlier. I'd ask you, you know, what was it about Bitcoin uh, that really brought you in? But that was then, and this is now. And curious to know, what is it about Bitcoin that keeps you working in the industry and keeps you excited uh, about its potential in the future? Yeah, you know, at this point, it, it definitely um, is a, a bit of a different play than when I did originally get into it. Um, as it's, you know, been very successful to, to be holding, uh, you know, we hit some pretty incredible all-time highs, even if you, you don't have a lot, you know, that's, uh, it's, it's some pretty incredible growth. So, you know, I, I've never, you know, been involved in traditional 401ks, Roth IRAs, um, you know, investing in metals or, or anything. So, uh, to me, Bitcoin is this this you know long term play of trying to be a hedge against inflation and a retirement fund of sorts. Um, you know, it, it's possible that you know it doesn't work out that way, but I, I really don't think that that's the case. I know people say that. I, I believe Bitcoin's inevitable. Um, I, I'm I am a maxi. You know, like I I don't care about Ethereum. I don't care about any. Any little coin that anyone's brought to my attention ever since I got into Bitcoin is just like a distraction from Bitcoin to me. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I do believe in its long-term uh, growth. And, um, you know, I have uh, 
created a, a network within the industry of, of friends and colleagues and acquaintances that I just enjoy interacting with and, and being involved with. So, um, yeah, I just enjoy being a part of it all. And, um, it's been, it's been successful to, uh, you know, just plug into this new industry for the past, uh, six years now. Um, and to have these opportunities to grow professionally and, uh, try to make a difference. That was so beautiful. You have me <laughs> choking over here. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Sorry to ruin uh, such a well thought out statement. Uh, it's top of the dome. It it was wonderful. <laughs> Just like when you freestyle. Yeah, sure, sure. You're the freestyle man. <laughs> Don't lie. I got three written raps. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and they're all fire. <laughs> Bars. Listen, Nate. It's been a real pleasure having you here today. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, like I've mentioned before, your passion is awesome. Your ability to connect people is very much needed in the Bitcoin mining industry. A lot of people see that. And I feel like we got to touch on a lot of good things here. And, you know, most importantly, I'm excited for your future. I hope things go well with Marov and I hope you get to uh, be a key figure in this industry. And I look forward to talking to you down the line and just look forward to creating uh, many more memories together. Yeah, we absolutely will be. Definitely. Uh, Thankful for this opportunity. It's been a great time here in the, the Force Space Mining office uh, and studio. That's uh, been great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> How's that?